0: What's up, mi gente? Hola, and welcome to another episode of Brown Raices, where we talk about the rich Chicanex history and culture, discuss the issues affecting brown communities, and where we explore badass, groundbreaking Chicanex and Latinx literature. I am your host, Yessi Rubio. I have a bachelor's degree in Chicano Studies and a Master of Arts in Urban Education. Currently, I am a part-time on-screen instructor and a part-time professional learning specialist. On a different note, today's episode is juicy. We are digging into the formation of the Chicano movement of the 1960s and 70s. And I will introduce important figures such as Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, two badass figures of El Movimiento that contributed to challenging the status quo. This will be part one of the Chicano movement, because there is so much to cover, and I will split it into three bite-sized parts. Okay, sin más rodeos, let's get into it. The Chicano movement was a social and political movement that emerged during the civil rights era. Prominent leaders such as Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X., as well as Black Panthers, were having their own movements demanding justice and racial equality. West Mexican Americans did not stay behind and began their own movement. And very similar to Martin Luther King Jr., it embraced a nonviolent movement. And similar to Malcolm X., it emphasized cultural pride. The Chicano movement confronted a range of issues, including discrimination in education, employment, housing, police brutality, and the erasure of Chicano culture and history. Today, we are going to explore the beginning of the Chicano movement, and it will focus on farm workers and their struggle. Then, in the next episodes, we will continue the conversation and also talk about other aspects of the Chicano movement, such as land reclamation, art, music, and student walkouts. In the last episode, we talked about the Bracero program and how it shaped the conditions for farm workers in the U.S., After the Bracero program ended, working conditions and wages remained ridiculously low. Let's keep in mind that the Bracero program ended in 1964. However, many growers continued to hire undocumented immigrants and even Mexican-Americans because they could continue to pay them substandard wages. A lot of Mexican-Americans began to feel the coraje the rage of having to do backbreaking jobs for long hours and being exposed to dangerous and poisonous pesticides. The average life expectancy for a farmworker in the 1960s was of 49 years old. Not only that, but farmworkers' children only attended school for two to three years and then began working in the fields. These were children working the fields under the hot sun carrying heavy produce boxes and picking fruits and vegetables instead of playing and attending school. Children began to work to help their families to pay for food and essentials. Growers were okay with it. Why were they okay with it? Well, because if you are poor and illiterate, you are perceived as ignorant and easier to take advantage of, and you can't demand better pay. The growers knew that children were working, and they did nothing to change it. In a documentary called Chicano, The Struggle in the Fields, Chicanos recount the feeling of isolation and fear that the ranchers could basically do anything with them. Past efforts to sustain a, a union among farmworkers in California had failed. Before we get into the whole union um, platica, what is a union? Well, according to the U.S. Department of Labor, a union is a group of two or more employees who join together to advance a common interest, such as wages, benefits, schedules, and other employment terms and conditions. Having a union gives workers a voice that gives them the ability to negotiate with their employers about their concerns. Okay, now that we have established what a union is, let's talk about it in relation to farm workers. After the Bracero program ended, The amount of farm workers available to work the fields in the U.S. reduced significantly. California farm labor organizers saw it as an opportunity. Okay, guys, agarrense because this is where it all began. In the summer of 1965, Filipino workers called a strike. The strike was led by the Agricultural Workers Organizing Committee, AWOC which is a union representing Filipino farm workers. The strike took place in Coachella, which, side note, I know everybody knows Coachella for the musical festival that they have every single year, and shit is hitting the fan on local residents. Because of this festival and locals um, being pushed out, They they can no longer afford to live in Coachella. Now it's a lot of Airbnb homes, and the cost of living is rising. So Coachella has a whole history and community that needs more attention, guys. That was just a side note. Okay, back to 1965. The strike held by Filipino farm workers was to demand fair wages and better working conditions. At that time, they faced severe exploitation and discrimination in the agricultural industry. It was very similar to what Mexican-Americans were facing. On September 8, 1965, Approximately 1,500 Filipino workers from different farms in Coachella went on strike to demand a wage increase from $1.25 to $1.40 per hour. They also demanded recognition of their union and an end to abusive labor practices. Pete Velasco, a Filipino labor organizer in the documentary Chicano, The the, The Struggle in the Fields, says the strike was won in one week. Why? Well, because Coachella is very, very hot and grapes ripen by the second. So what you pick today will be ready by tomorrow. Coachella growers quickly gave in to the demand for $1.40 an hour. Quickly after, a lot of Filipinos found out that they had lost their jobs and homes. Keep in mind that farm workers lived in camps In the farmland, growers locked their homes and threw out their belongings. They refused to pay the increase. So what did they do? They fired them, and they decided that they were going to grow their grapes elsewhere. This strike quickly gained attention and support from other farmworker communities, including, you guessed it, Mexican-American farmworkers. Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta saw an opportunity for solidarity and they joined forces with Filipinos. This collaboration led to the formation of the United Farmworker Organizing Committee, which later became United Farmworkers, the UFW. Guys, this was a significant turning point in the labor rights movement. It showed the power of cross-cultural solidarity and laid the foundation for the Delano grape strike that followed shortly. It set the stage for the broader Chicano movement and the strikes and boycotts led by the UFW. It's super important to point out that families lived day by day, with no savings and constantly on the edge, and with the uncertainty of food and shelter. A strike would mean a financial disaster. It was frightening for many of them even to organize. Dolores Huerta mentions in the documentary Chicano Struggle in the Fields that they would hide when organizing meetings or they would go down by the river because families were afraid to meet in homes and for the growers to find out and fire them. So they were afraid even to organize and get together for meetings. The NFWA called a strike meeting to see if they would officially join the strike with the Filipinos. And it was on September 16, which coincidentally was Mexico's Dia de Independencia. That day marked a turning point. Cesar Chavez spoke to the people that day, and they described him as short, soft-spoken guy, but the more he talked, the more people realized that not only can they fight, but they can maybe win. That day, the match was lit. National Farmworker Association voted to join the strike. With only $87 in its treasury, union leaders prayed that the work stoppage would be brief. Se amarraron el cinturón and bravely faced an uncertain future. Workers thought that the strike would last days or even weeks, but not years. A lot of families had the mindset that they had to fight. They had to stick together and fight because otherwise nothing was going to change. All right, guys, this was part one of the Chicano Movement. The next episode, we are going to explore everything else that you need to know about the Chicano movement. In 1965, like I mentioned, that match was lit and nothing would be the same after that meeting on September 16th, held by Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. Stay tuned for part two of the Chicano movement. That brings us to the end of this Brown Raices episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about the very beginning of the Chicano movement. The founders of the Chicano movement were diverse, scholars and community organizers who were united in their commitment to social justice and equality for Chicanos. Some key figures in the movement included Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta, Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez, Reyes Tijerina, among other chingones. Tune in to our episode next week, where we will continue to learn about the Chicano movement. Don't forget to follow on Instagram at brownraices And if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your familia and friends. Hasta la próxima.